days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. And the same John had a raiment of camel's hair and a leathern, leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. I thought Chris Simpson ate weird things, but that's a little strange right there. Then went out to him Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. John didn't have very good people skills. You know, here you have this crowd come to hear you preach. He don't say, good to have you. Thank you for visiting. Oh, generation of vipers. So if anybody tells you I'm mean, give them this verse. I said good morning to you, okay? Verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast to the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus. I'm interested in John the Baptist this morning. These verses open up in verse 1 with three little words, In those days... What were these days that John was preaching in? Well, they were very, very dark days, both politically, morally, nationally, and most of all, spiritually. There had been no word from God for 400 years since the prophet Malachi closed out his prophecy with a curse in Malachi 4, 6. And even though the Jews were home from Babylonian captivity and had begun rebuilding their city... When John comes on the scene, they are still under the Roman oppression. They're still under uh, Caesar and they're under Herod's thumb and some dark and dark, discouraging days. But something was happening in these days. Something was occurring. Something was changing. And it centered around two miraculous births. One birth centered around an old Levite couple named Zacharias and Elizabeth. They would have a little boy named John. The other birth centered around a virgin, her espoused husband named Joseph. And their son, of course, would be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And John and Jesus were six months apart physically. And they would begin to change things, not just in Israel, but throughout all eternity. Now, Jesus was not John, and John was not Jesus. John was the messenger, but Jesus was the Messiah. John was the forerunner, but Jesus was the foretold. John was the prophet, but Jesus was the prophecy. John was the preparation, but Jesus was the provision. John was the voice, but Jesus was the victor. John was looking, but Jesus was the lamb. 
John was the baptizer, but Jesus was the baptism. John was the servant, but Jesus was the Savior. And I want to lift up John this morning, and I'm not trying to magnify John, but John was the forerunner. John was that one that was sent uh, to prepare the way for the first coming of the Lord. And we can draw some aspects to you and I are here in the church age. We're in the last moments of the last days of the church age. And I believe that this is the generation of the church that will see the second coming, the rapture of the church, if you would. I'll tell you what we need. We need just as God wanted a John the Baptist at the Lord's first coming... John wants a John the Baptist at the Lord's second coming. So I want to preach on this morning, we need some John the Baptist. We need some John the Baptist this morning. We need some men. I want to, I want to thank God for just all men uh, that will stand true and stay faithful. By the way, you don't have to be a preacher this morning uh, to have the characteristics of John. I'll tell you what John was in a nutshell. He was a man that was had the touch of heaven and the, and the touch of God on his life. And he just wanted to make a way for the Lord. He was preparing things for the coming of the Lord. And I want to remind and it's what the Apostle John will say in 1 John 3, that every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. He said, if you believe the Lord's coming, then you're going to be making some preparation. Uh, you're going to be doing some things. You're not going to be sitting around twitting your thumbs, uh, singing, we'll work till Jesus comes. Uh, but you're going to be actively uh, involved in the work of the Lord. Hey, I don't want to find him. I don't want him to find me sitting on the sideline. I don't want to quit. I don't want to get off in sin. I don't want to fail in this thing, but I want to finish my course with joy. Hey, if the Lord don't come back for another hundred years, uh, then I want to continue in this right road. Uh, but if He comes back in the next hundred minutes, I want Him to find me with my hand or the plow going forward, just like John the Baptist was. Three things in our text about John. First of all, we're going to look here in Matthew 3, and we may, we're going to reference a little bit of Luke chapter 3, the parallel reading of this text. But I want to say, first of all, a word about the character of the messenger. The character of the messenger. John is one of the most interesting and intriguing men in our Bible. He closes out the Old Testament prophets and introduces the New Testament preachers. And he stands there having a feet in both worlds. He's standing there at a dispensational transition, if you would. He's ministering out of those Old Testament prophets to those New Testament preachers. And you know what he's bringing them together? The Lord's bringing them together. And he's using John to tie up the loose ends. John was prophesied to repair the way of the Lord in Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. The purpose of John's ministry, he was preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was a literal kingdom that John was preaching about. But the Jews, we said in Sunday school, they wanted the kingdom, but they didn't want the king. By the way, they're still that way today. They wanted the kingdom and didn't want the king, so they rejected Christ. Uh, and so uh, John's message... Notice some things about John that I like about him. First of all, he was definitely bold. 
One thing I like about John, he didn't have a spaghetti noodle for a backbone. Uh, I mean, there's some guys, I mean, they, they wouldn't preach against a snake if one was wrapped around their neck. I mean, they wouldn't say anything bad about the devil. I mean, everything's good. Everything's okay. God's okay with you. Hey, God loves you. God has grace. God has mercy. But I'm telling you, there is such a thing as sin. There is such a thing as wrong and wickedness. And God did not bring up some limp-wristed uh, man to prepare the way of the Lord. But He brought in a man that had a backbone like a soul log uh, that didn't mind sticking his crooked finger in the king's face and said, it's not right for you to be committing adultery with your brother's wife. I tell you, now, he, he didn't mind that at all. He was bold. That when He shows up, in those days came John the Baptist sharing. No, he wasn't sharing. You share cookies. And now if you're at my house, you don't share them. It's every man for himself. Somebody help me, all right? He didn't come in teaching. He didn't come in sharing. But he came in as a voice. Fact in John 1, they said, who are you? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He, he come in preaching. Verse 4, the same John had a, had a raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle. I'm glad we're doing a little better with Joseph A. Banks today, all right? Sounded like that'd be a little itchy, okay? Uh, and, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. He was just different. He didn't fit in with the world. He didn't look like the world. He didn't even conform to religious society. I'm talking about he just he looked like something out of the Old Testament. Because he was. In fact, here's what Jesus said about him. I, I, he said this was a lie if you would have received it. So I said, what does that mean? Brother Richie's going to explain that after church, what that means. Amen. That's so simple. I'm going to let him explain that, all right? Uh, but he, he, was, he, was a, he was a throwback to the days of Elijah. He was definitely bold. You know, he, he come in, he really shook things up. I mean, they had got used to their religious facade and their religious thing, and John come in. I mean, he didn't flip over tables, but, I mean, you, Katie bar the door. Here comes John preaching. Uh, he is not welcome in the temple. Remember, he is a Levite. His daddy was serving in the temple. That's right where John's preaching. John's out there preaching in the wilderness. It sounds like, reminds me of old uh, George Whitfield. He wrote in his diary one day, preached in the church, and then ran me out of the church. So he preached in the street, and they ran him out of the streets. So he preached out in the village and then ran him out of the village. He ended up preaching in the field and thousands came to hear Whitfield preach. In fact, Benjamin Franklin said that he could hear Whitfield's voice a mile away preaching. Now, this nation was built on preaching. Men of God preaching through, preaching the Word of God. And, and they, didn't, they, didn't have a little, they didn't have a sweetness in their speech as far as sounding sissy, but they spoke with boldness. Some guys make me nervous where they talk. I mean, like they got too much sugar in their cereal. Somebody help me, all right? I tell you, he was a bold man. He, he had a boldness about him. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not speaking of being unkind. But I'm talking about standing for truth and preaching what is right. You know, they didn't like that kind of preaching in John's day. In fact, they didn't like it so much they cut his head off. They cut his head off for preaching. John lost his head preaching. But John, I didn't bother. He was he was doc, he was definitely bold. But then I like this about John: he was denominationally Baptist. He wasn't John the Methodist. He wasn't John the Presbyterian. He wasn't John the Church of God. He wasn't the, he wasn't John the Church with no name. It wasn't, it wasn't John the Rock or John the River or anything. It was John the Baptist. Now Luke one tells us that John Baptist was not his name. In fact, when that angel come to come to Elizabeth, said his name is John. 
And then when he shows up, he's John the Baptist. Why was he John the Baptist? He was John the Baptizer. Realize nobody had ever been baptized till John came along. Can you imagine the first guy that got baptized? <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for my mind. Okay, get down here in the water. We're going to baptize you. You're going to do what? I'm going to stick you under the water. You're going to bring me back up? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know how that went. I'd like to see a video of that. I mean, there had to be a first one somewhere. What was John? John was not preaching baptismal regeneration. We're going to emphasize that more here in just a moment. But what was John preaching? John was preaching repent. And as a result of their repentance, you publicly identify by baptism. Now, remember this. Baptism was never for regeneration, but only for identification. If, if baptism saved you, then the thief on the cross is in hell. If baptism was essential for salvation, all the Old Testament saints, none of them made it. I mean, if baptism was essential for salvation, then we have contradictions in our Bible because Paul said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. One writer over in the book of Mark, some people take this verse and say, Well, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Now, see, John is preaching that you've got to get baptized to have your sins forgiven. Well, that word for there is means in result of. Since you had repented, just like Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he was never preaching that you had to be baptized to be saved. Just like if you see a wanted sign, you'll see wanted John Doe for murder. Does that mean they're wanting John Doe to go murder somebody? No, they're wanting John because he already has. Well, here's what, Matthew, here's what John's preaching. John's saying if you repented, then you need to be baptized. You need to identify with that. So we see that we see this morning that not only was John definitely bold, he was denominationally Baptist, but John was divinely blessed. John was a selected man. John was a sent man. John was a serving man, a special man, a scriptural man, a spiritual man. John had was was uh, prophesied in his before his mother ever conceived him that he would be a special man used of God. I'm talking about the character of this man. God had His hand on John's life. We see the character of the messenger. But then secondly about John, I want to emphasize the content of his message. What did John preach? Well, John was the first Baptist preacher, but he wasn't a good one because he only had two points. Everybody knows a good Baptist preacher has at least three points. Sometimes four. Sometimes five. If you're Johnny Morton, seven. Preacher John, he always had seven points to every sermon. It didn't matter if he's preached on three reasons why you ought to go to heaven. He had seven points. It didn't matter, all right? John only had two points. Here was his point. Number one, repentance of sin. He come in preaching in verse 2, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is a personal repentance. Repent ye. He says you need to repent. Now, it's amazing to me how some things never change. They hated this message of repentance in John's day. And Brother Richie, they still hate it. They still hate the message of repentance. They'll say, you are adding works to salvation. You are a legalist. You're adding repentance to salvation. Well, there's a, I, I could beat you over the head with 500 verses, but here's what Jesus said. It's in that red part of your Bible. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I mean, I don't know what they do with that. I'll tell you what repentance does. It's hard to get a guy uh, that you're trying to get one, two, three, repent for me to repent. But let's not get on that road. 
But they, they, he preached repentance. That repentance is a turning from your sin. Not that you've got to, not that you've got to confess everything you've ever saw, thought, said, or done. Because you don't know what you've done. In fact, here's what David said. Search me and try me. See if it be a wicked, wicked way of me. He said, Lord, there might be something I missed. And so it is turning from what you're trusting in. It's turning from that life of sin and turning to the Savior. Now, so I said, well, preacher, how'd these people get saved in John's day? They got saved trusting in the fact that their Messiah was coming. John's preaching it. There's one coming. There's one coming. And you better repent. Well, Jesus is coming. and We better keep preaching that you need to repent. By the way, repentance don't end at salvation. Billy Mitchell said, the way I know I repent is because I'm still repenting. Yeah. Yeah, I ask you a question. If you're saved, when's the last time God troubled you and convicted you about something and you repented of it? If it's been a while, then you might need to find an altar somewhere and say, search me and try me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. This message of repentance was a hated message. This message of repentance is a holy message. Vance Habner said, no one goes to hell walking towards heaven. Or no one goes to heaven walking towards hell. There's a lot. Ain't amazing you can't find nobody lost anymore. Yeah. I mean, everybody's saved. Everybody's saved. And, and, but their life, and we talked about it last week in 1 John, their life, they say one thing, but their life is totally different. That is not the way it ought to be, brethren. shouldn't be that way. Repentance should be a heated message. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So as a preacher, you said that some people hated John's message. Yeah, these Pharisees and Sadducees show up. And they had added to the law. And they, they thought more of that, of the oral law. They had 613 laws of Moses. And we'll say more about them in a moment. But then they had added laws on top of that, the oral law, meaning whatever they thought and their opinions and thoughts on those things. And they didn't like John's message on repentance because John was nailing them to the wall on what they were doing. Let me show you. Let me show you how he done it. Verse number. Uh, let's see here. Verse number nine. Then that crowd shows up in verse seven and eight, and John addresses them. And watch what he says in verse nine. And think not to say within yourselves. He knew their thoughts. Somebody said somebody must have told the preacher what I was doing. No, John was just plugged into heaven, and God was telling him what to preach. Amen. He was just. He was. He was declaring. He was preaching repentance of sin. I tell you, you can build a church if you don't deal with sin. You don't say anything about it. Just go on. They, they, they won't mind that. They won't mind that. Just go on and tell them they're okay. I'm not. Y'all know me. I've been here 11 years. My goodness. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about uh, being 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 unkind. We've had enough of that. But I am talking about being bold and taking a stand against sin. I mean, it's sad, but there used to be a day when preachers preached against alcohol. But now we're not going to say nothing about that because you know there's some gray area there. No, there's no gray area. It's all black and white. And there used to be a day when preachers preached against shacking up and fornication, but now, well, you know, it's you know, we'd rather them be here than be out in the world somewhere. No, yeah. and we want them to get right. Yeah. Amen. Barney and Andy still at the courthouse. Yeah. Amen. I, Aunt B will play the organ and throw throw uh, flyer at you. All right, I'm the, flowers, not flyer. I'm, we could do that too. All right. I, I don't get invited to many weddings anymore. They gave us bird seed one time, and I just threw the bags at the people, you know. <laughs> I didn't know you supposed to take it out of the bag. <laughs> uh, too bad I missed my sister's head. But anyway, um, but I'm talking about repentance of sin. Turn, you know, you can build a church if you don't deal with sin anymore. Why do you think Smiley in Texas has so many? <laughs> When's the last time you ever heard him say anything bad about the devil? Why would you say something bad about the guy you're working for? 
Amen. Talking about John preached on repentance of sin. But then John preached a revelation of the Savior. He not only said repent, but he said the kingdom of God's at hand means the king's coming. He said there's one coming. You know what John's twofold message was? Exposing sin and exalting Jesus. Ain't that what we're supposed to be doing? And we're supposed to expose sin and lift up Jesus and magnify Him. That's what we... I'm talking about John's preaching. What did John preach about Jesus? Verse number 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge the floor and gather his wheat to his garter, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John spoke of his power. He's mightier than I. John spoke of his prominence. He said, I'm not even worthy to bear his shoes. He spoke of his purpose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Time out. What does the church of Christ do with that? Every time they see baptism, they want to insert water. What do you do with a baptism of fire? I guess you skip it, all right? I don't, I've always found that interesting. He spoke of his purity, whose fan is in his hand. What's he going to do? He's going to purge the floor. That was something that those, that those his congregation would have known about, that threshing floor. They'd bring in the wheat uh, from the fields. They'd take the threshing floor. What they do? They would purge it. They'd stomp on it. They'd throw rocks on it, breaking that shell to get into the grain. And then he'd take that chaff, and they would take that shovel on the threshing floors and throw it up in the air, and the wind would blow away the blow away the, the chaff and the seeds, the grain would fall back down. It was separating. You know what separated? Watch it now. You know what separated the wheat from the chaff? When the wind blew. And amen. John 3 talks about the wind. The Holy Spirit is the wind. He'll separate the wheat from the chaff. And he said his punishment, he's going to burn the chaff up with unquenchable fire. Speaks of those that reject that. Speaks of eternity and hell and eventually on the lake of fire. I wrote this down last night. John baptized Jesus, but he didn't water him down. Boy, we've got a lot of that going on. I, I, I tell you, I, I'm, I'm reading a book right now uh, on, on Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He pastored, pastored the Metropolitan Tabernacle in England. Uh, if anybody, anybody ever gets under a burden, I'd like to go over there. I'm not interested. I mean, I'm, I'll go preach for somebody, but if I go, I'm going to Spurgeon's Tabernacle, all right? I want to see that place. Uh, just... Just, just amazing. I've been reading about it. And, and those men had such a fear and a reverence for God, they took it serious. And, and I'm reading that, and you know, I'm reading it to help my education, but I'm getting convicted. I'm like, no, I'm supposed to read the Bible and get convicted. I'm not supposed to read this commentary and get convicted. That's not how that works. I'm getting convicted because we, we take church so flippantly now. It's not even a serious thing anymore. And it's just we go and we go through the routine. But John, John said, I'm telling you, when he's coming, there's judgment coming. Hey, God is love. We'll talk about that tonight. First John 4, that's one of it. God is love. But God is also a God of judgment. And if people don't get saved and people don't get right, there's going to be judgment. Those who, those who die without God, they'll go to hell for, for eternity. And then at the lake of fire, hell, death and hell are cast to the lake of fire at the great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20. And it don't get no better either. And, and I'll say this. My Bible also says, Brother Richie, that judgment is going to begin at the house of God. Whew. That bothers me right there. I tell you, we, you know what John was doing? John was not only trying to get sinners saved, but he was trying to get that crowd that had got cold that's going through the religious rituals of that day in Israel. They were doing right. They were supposed to be going to the temple. They were doing all the right things, but they just got caught in the motions of everything. You know what God did? God sent in a man by the name of John 
just to shake that crowd up. The book of Zephaniah talks about that God said He would punish the men that are settled on punish the men that were settled on their lees. L e e s. We're not familiar with that in the day and age we're living in, but what that was that was when they had the wine cellars, and which was when we say wine, I'm not talking about Mogan David and all that kind of stuff. Somebody help me, all right? I'm talking about the the the, the grape juice and things of that nature. And they would, they would bottle up those drinks and they'd put them in those animal skins, those bottles. And if they, them bottles were allowed to sit there, all of the, all of the I don't know how to say it, no, better, all the goody would go to the bottom. You know what I'm talking about? All the nutrients, all the good things go to the bottom and it would settle on its leaves. And if it left like that, it would spoil and wouldn't be no good. So here's what they'd do. They'd have people that would come in to make sure that that, that, that wine wouldn't settle on its leaves. They'd come in and do two things. They'd either, one, take it out of that one vessel and pour it into another vessel, or they'd shake it up. That's exactly what John is doing when he comes on the scene. That crowd had got settled. They're looking for a Messiah, but we've heard he's coming for, two, we've heard he's coming for years. And he ain't showed up yet. And John walked in. And just started shaking things up and said, you heard he's coming, he's coming. Yeah. Well, you know what we need in 2024 in the church? You know what's happened? We have settled on our lease. we got our beautiful buildings that need to be painted. <laughs> We're working on that. We, we've, got, we've got carpet, sound system, padded pews, central heat and air. Somebody said, I want to go back to the old days. Not me. I like my central heat and air. Somebody help me, all right? Somebody said, you're a sissy. You couldn't handle them in the old days. You're exactly right, and that's why God let me be born when I was born. I have no trouble with that, okay? Somebody said, I want to go out. I want to go on vacation and get a tent. That's called being homeless. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, somebody help me, all right? I, I have no desire for that, all right? No desire for that. I want to go fishing and then go stay at the Hampton Inn, all right? That's what I want to do. That's, that's roughing it for me, all right? But we know we've got settled in this generation. We just go to church, go out of the routine. Preacher, get up. It don't matter if it's me or anybody. Somebody testify. The Lord's coming in. Yeah, we've heard that. Yeah, the Lord's coming again. You know what we need? We need some John the Baptist to come in and shake us up. Oh, by the way, the other way, they pour it in another vessel. You know how to keep getting cold and sour and sitting there on God? Is pour your life in somebody else's life. Invest in somebody else's life. Try to be a blessing to somebody else because not you're going to get settled. Here's what the prophet Amos said. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. First thing I do, you're going to learn this traveling. If, not, if you don't do this yet, you need to do it now. First thing I do when I check in a hotel room is I put the do not disturb sign on the door. I don't want anybody coming in my room when I'm not there. Somebody said, why? I got things in there. Guitars, guns. And if it's a camp meeting, Bibles and outlines that I don't want stolen, all right? I don't want nobody coming. I put that do not disturb sign. But you know, that's what a lot of people have done spiritually. I'm saved. I go to church. Now leave me alone. What else you want from me? You got that do not disturb sign. And, and the Lord try to work some of your heart and say, nope, nope, I'm good. I'm good. That's for everybody else. What we need, we need a John the Baptist come in and say, hey, he's coming. There, I'm closing. There is the character of the messenger, the content of his message. But then I want you to notice the condition of the multitude. He's got three groups of people that's come to hear him preach. I've already mentioned one of them. He's got the critical that's come to hear him preach. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they're coming out. Let's see what John has to say. We still got that crowd today. Trying just to be critical, be cynical. They're literally 
the Pharisees, Sadducees, often their doctrine. And because they had bad doctrine, they had wicked behavior. Mark it down. Bad doctrine produces bad behavior every time. Amen. So you got the critical there. But then you've got the concern there. I, I, we won't take time to read a verse, but in Luke chapter number 3, John's preaching. And there's a crowd in verse number 10 that says, What shall we do then? They believe John's message. They said, What shall we do? And John told them what to do. Boy, I'm glad if you'll just preach the truth and preach what's right. I'm glad there's a few. It may not be as many, but I'm glad there's a few who say, Okay, what do I need to do about it? That could be applied to sinners and saints. Boy, it would be applied. I, I'm thinking about Paul that night. That Philippian jailer came in and said, Man, what must, men and brethren, must, what must I do to be saved? But then I'm glad when people that are saved, they hear a preacher or convicted and say, well, What do I need to do to get that right? Well, wouldn't that be good if you had such a pliable and tender heart that when God spoke to you about something, you'd say, Okay, what do I need to do to get this right? If it's been a while, when's the last time you repented and changed anything in your life? Hello? When's the last time that God put His finger on something in your life and said, this is not right? And you repented of it and you got right with God. I didn't say you didn't struggle with it because that's just part of this flesh. But you made a decision. You know, I need to get right with God about this. Whether it's my music, whether it's something I'm watching, whether it's an attitude, whether it's a grudge, unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, strife, malice, whatever it is, God convicts you about it and you repented of it and got it right. If that's been a while, then you know what's happened? You've settled on your lease. You've, you've lost that, you, you've left that first love of Revelation 2. The critical were there. The concern were there. But I read part of this verse on purpose. Christ was there. John, I love this. John's preaching in verse 12. So he's going to burn the chaff up with fire. And the next three words, then cometh Jesus. I believe this this morning. I believe this. That if we will preach and take a strong stand and expose sin and exalt the Savior, He'll show up. He'll show up. Hey, we can have good singing. We can have okay preaching when I'm here. <laughs> we, we can have all the right things, but if we don't have Him, all is in vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. All is in vain. I want to read you, I want to read you a quote, and we're going we're gonna to go home this morning. But I'm telling you, we, we have gotten so... I hope God will, hope God will settle this in our, our minds and hearts of not just getting settling for second best and not being stirred. I really want you to think about that. When's the last time God convicted you? Well, preacher, God ain't convicted me about nothing. I live so holy. I mean, he don't even have to mess with me. Let's talk to your spouse then. Let's talk to your kids. How about talk to your preacher? I got stuff on all of you. I'm just kidding. Kind of, maybe, no. But we're, we're living in a day where we just settle with the status quo. And we go, we do our thing, we leave and do what we want to. I wonder how much time we spent praying for this service today. I, I quoted this to the men. I ain't got away from it. It's that book I'm reading on Spurgeon. Spurgeon told his church one Sunday, May God help me if you ever cease to pray for me. Let me know the day when you're not going to pray for me, and that is the day I'll cease to preach. He told the church, said, If you're not going to pray for this service, and you're not going to pray for me, then let me know because I'm not going to preach. But how often are we guilty? By the way, Spurgeon, they called him the prince of preachers. Other than John the Baptist, maybe one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. And he said, I can't do nothing without him. How often are we guilty of trying to do things without him? You know what we need? We need a John the Baptist come shake us up.
you're not saved, not right with God, you need to repent. You, why? Because He's coming. He's coming. As we stand this morning, I appreciate your attention. We need some John the Baptist. When's the last time God put His finger on something in your life? <laughs>